good in the uh, church that uh, my wife and I spent so many years in. Um, awesome. Yes, earlier when we were singing the song, when Lucas was singing the song, <clears throat> and I was trying to keep up with him, um, I don't know, the Lord just, you know, impressed on my heart this morning, and, and he gave, you know, as I was looking at these lyrics, and he says, in fact, you know what, let's, let's just read them all together, right? amen? Let's read them out loud together. Ready? Begin. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. And what I wanted to emphasize this morning is, you know, Jesus is calling. Jesus continues to call us. And, you know, there's good things and there's bad things and, 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 and things are going on in the world. But you know what? Regardless of whatever's going on in our lives or our friends' lives or our spouse's lives or whomever's lives, Jesus is continually calling us. Amen? And he, he continues to just, you know, wanting to woo us. And sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're walking through this, 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 this mall, if you will. Or, you know, imagine yourself being a kid and you're going to this arcade and, and uh, you're getting so mesmerized with everything or distracted. I think that's a better word. Distracted with everything that's going on. And you kind of lose focus of, you know, where you're really supposed to be at or who you're really supposed to be next to. Has that ever happened to you? But regardless of what, Jesus is calling. And, and I just wanted, I don't know, I just wanted to share that with you this morning. Amen. I, um, no rhyme or reason. I just, uh, just, wanted, just wanted to share that with you. So uh, thanks to Frank. We'll be here till 1230. If anybody, if anybody, uh, no, I'm kidding. I knew Frank would, uh, would talk a long time, so I've got a 15-minute message. That'll be a first. That's right. <laughs> wow. Hey, man. Well, let's, uh, let's pray again. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity that you've given me, particularly, Father, to just come and share your word. Father, not a better place that I would um, rather be than here with family and friends and standing here in the, uh, as Frank very uh, eloquently uh, described earlier, the roots of where Danielle and I have um, sprung out of. Father God, I thank you for joy. And I ask, Father God, that as they continue to seek for a pastor that's going to fulfill and fill this pulpit, Lord, that you, Father God, begin to prepare a man for them that is focused on you and that his agenda will be your agenda and that he would follow you, Father God, in reverence and fear you, Father God, for the things that he's teaching and showing and demonstrating to the flock that he will impart, Father God, things that are biblical, that he will share the complete counsel of God, and that whatever he does, Father God, prospers because you are on his side. And we love you, we thank you, and we believe that's going to happen because you are a God that will not lie. For the word says that you're a man that, shouldn't, that does not lie. So, Father, we just believe in that, and we just thank you for the opportunity. And let me and my wife be a part of witnessing that, when the day comes, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I have a question for you guys because, you know, God is so awesome that he works, you know, everything. I mean, everything that he does is just knitted into everybody's lives. And 
Rick had asked me to preach. Well, actually, I had asked Rick if I could preach. And uh, anyway, we kind of uh, finally uh, agreed about a month ago, like three weeks ago or whatever it was. And so I had this message, you know, prepared and stuff. And, you know, as God would work things out, he's like, nah, that's not what I want you to talk about. And he's done that a few times lately in my, in my in, in, you know, in the commitments that I've had. And so he gave me a message last night starting at 7 p.m. And I finished it at 3, at 3 a.m. this morning. And I hope that it ministers to you as well as ministers to me because, you know what, the message I think, or at least I thought was for the service, it's not, it's for me. It's for me because I'm going through some stuff right now that I'm going to share with you that uh, I don't want you to think it's a pity party or anything, but, you know, just things that, you know, when we're walking with God and things are going well, things are going well. We don't think about anything else. It's like, you know what, right on, you know, I'm a child of God and God, you know, is on my side. But hey, have your comfort zone disturbed just six degrees to the left or to the right, and I'll tell you, you'll be crying, Mama. You know? Maybe, I don't know. So I want to ask you this morning, because the, uh, the uh, scripture that um, Mike uh, offered this morning, and man, it talks about trusting God. There was a, there was a sense in that it talks about trusting God. And that's what I want to speak to you this morning. I want to speak to you about trusting the Lord. And so the question I want to present to you this morning is, what does it mean to you? Or what does it look like to you in your walk to trust God? And this is an open forum question. There's no right or wrong answer. But what does it look like to you? So whenever things are going wrong, you know that things will work out for good. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So trusting in the Lord, not worrying, is what you said, right? That's a good answer, not worrying. Anybody else? What's it look like to you? Someone asks you, hey, do you trust in the Lord? And they see your life. Can they see it by, by how you're living your life? It's a hard question. I asked myself that question yesterday all day. What is it like to see, to, you know, for, for me to, to share with someone what is, you know, to trust in the Lord? <clears throat> I say I trust the Lord. I claim that he's in control of all things. But I'm reminded, I'm reminded of this four-year-old boy. This four-year-old boy lived out in the country with his family, and he was drinking this colored drink, and he spilled it, on the home's new living room floors. He, wanting to clean up the mess himself, told his mother about it, and his mom says, go get the mob that's outside in the back deck at the back of the door. So he quickly went over, and he opened up the back door, and he realized that it was extremely dark, and he became quickly afraid. He didn't want to go out in the dark. So he comes back over to his mom, and he's you know, telling her the situation, you know, and she says, she assures him, she says, don't worry. Jesus is with you. Jesus is everywhere, even in the dark places. He will protect you. Well, that brought a smile to the kid's face. 
and he walks over to the back door, and he opens the door, and he pokes his head out just enough and say, Jesus, if you're out there, can you hand me the mop? Sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we say, I believe God, and I trust God, and you know, God is in control of all things. But for me anyways, if I don't feel like I'm in control of all things, I say, God, thank you, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take it from here. It's very difficult, at least for me. And if we're honest enough, you know, probably for some of us, if not many of us in here, to trust the Lord with all our heart, to lean not on our own understanding. That in all the ways we acknowledge him so that he can direct our path. It's difficult to do that because our nature is to want to be in control of things. How many of you know some controlling people? Come on, somebody. Very controlling folks. Huh? The, the what? The guy in the mirror. You know? And that's what I'm going through right now. You know, the last Sunday that I came together here and, and I shared with you folks, life was great. Man, life was great. You know, somebody had, had uh, you know, uh, come and recruited me from my, from my previous job, you know, and they said, hey, we want you to come on board with us, man. We, you know, you're the man that, uh, that we want to hire and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a deal was made and this, that, and the other. And, you know, um, I went with them. That's my 90-day probations with, you know, flying colors. My 90-day my evaluation was great. It was awesome. And I was making decent money. And seven months later, they come up to me and said, we've decided you're not a fit for the team. And so it's been five weeks that I haven't been, been a fit for any team for that matter. Because I went into depression. A week and a half. My wife was going to work, and I would tell her, yeah, babe, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And you know what? I was actually in bed till noon, thinking, what now? Allowing the enemy to put all these thoughts in my head, saying, you know what? You're no good. You're this and you're that. Now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? And sadly, I buy into that stuff. And I begin to ask myself, wow, really, what am I going to do? And all these other stupid thoughts come into my mind. But wait a minute, it doesn't stop there. Because I believe that, you know what? God is going to, my wife always says, God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. And so I got, resentment with, I, re, I got resentful with my wife. Because two days prior to, the, to getting fired, you know, her nephew had come down from Fresno. And he says, you know, I don't have a car and blah, blah, blah. And that. So we bless him with a car. I wanted to sell it. My wife was like, let's bless him. I said, okay, well, yeah, let's, let's, let's bless him. Why? Because God's going to bless me. And so we give him the car, blah, 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 everything. And then two days later, I got fired. I like to say, let go. And then the day after that, we found out that we had a slab leak in our house. A slab leak. Water pipes underneath the slab broke. And now I have, you know, a swimming pool in three of my bedrooms and down my hallway. 
and he cost me. <laughs> what? Well, well, it cost me. <laughs> oh, you know the pool. That's right, the pool. Thing. Duh. Yeah. So then, you know, it's very hot. How many of you remember three-digit uh, uh, temperature days? It was like 103, 104 that day. Say, so, hey, baby, let's turn on the air conditioner because it's hot in here. You know, the contractors are going to come through. Insurance people are going to come through. and this and that. Let it be cool in there for them. So we turn on the air conditioner, and our air conditioner is leaking, and it leaked all over on the ceiling. So now we have ceiling damage. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right? Are you kidding me right now? Now, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I like to think I'm a man of God. But yet, I'm not in control of any of this. And it's really, you know, taking me in a different direction. Isaiah 26.4 says, Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yahweh, the Lord is everlasting strength. I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling downright cheated. I'm feeling like, hey, Lord, you know, what's up with that? And you know what, truly, in these days, I've seen my neighbors prosper. Got new cars, got this and that, you know, and I'm, I mean, I, I got nowhere else to go. I'm hanging out at the house, right? <laughs> I've got, you know, not getting ready to go to work anywhere. So, you know, but, but you know what, I will say this. Thank God, I think this is a blessing in disguise because he has allowed me to be at home to deal with the insurance people and the contractors, and the water mitigators, and the guy that charged me an arm and a leg for my repiping, and all this and that and the other. So there is a blessing in there somewhere. We just don't see I just don't see it. And even this morning, I still wake up in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 in the morning, and I'm having these anxiety attacks. And I know that's the enemy. The enemy trying to tell me, you know what? Look at you. And you say you trust the Lord? You say you trust God? So I go to bed every night and I put on the, the you know, the, uh, what do you call those? The earplugs? Thanks. And I listen, you know, I plug in my phone and I listen. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm listening to Job being narrated, you know? Because if anybody, you know, can, if anybody can relate, it's Job. Right? Because I'm saying, Lord, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And yet, I recognize and I realize that there's other people far worse than I am. People that can look at me and say, you little sissy. Settle down. But that's the thing that I'm saying, that when we're disturbed in our comfort zone, when we are, you know, when, when we're walking and we're counting, and you know what, and it's also a... Um, a uh, reality check. What am I really trusting on? Am I trusting on that paycheck? A nice, healthy, fat paycheck? Or am I trusting in the Lord? 
Am I trusting in the fact that I have a job and I have security because, you know, I know that my next week and next month's income is coming in? Or am I trusting in the Lord? And Job didn't sin. If you know Job's story, he did nothing to be, you know, on the contrary with God. He just said, hey, have you noticed my servant Job? He's telling Satan this. And Satan's like, wow, look at all the stuff you've given him. But, you know, mess with his head a little bit and see if he won't curse at you. How can I compare myself to Job? And yet, I'm crying out saying, Lord, why are you doing this? Psalm 910 says that those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God gave me that message, uh, I don't know, 11 o'clock last night or whatever time it was that I took a break. And I'm like, what? And I'm having this conversation with God. I'm saying, Lord, really, you know? You don't forsake those who seek you. And then I start asking myself, am I truly seeking him? Am I seeking him as diligently as I should? And truth be told, no. Why? Because I allow all these other things that come into, you know, in, in life, that come in as a distraction. And it's so easy to do. We get distracted so easily. It is not, you know, that we go out there and we wake up every morning and say, well, let's see here, what are going to be my distractions today? Uh, you know, and try to avoid that now. Distractions just come. But if I'm going to be honest with myself, if I'm going to be true to myself and true to God, because God knows, then I have to say, how much and how long am I deviling, am I deviling in my, or am I involved, involved in, my, in my study or in my, in my uh, word? Those are things that I have to ask myself. As a child of God, he asks us to simply trust him to provide for us and guide us and help us through our daily lives. But sometimes it just seems so difficult to do. As I said earlier, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You know, it goes on to say, you know, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I claim that. I go to bed reciting that. I go to bed thinking that and say, Lord, okay, you know, you're in control of all things. And yet, I wake up with these anxiety attacks. Something that I haven't experienced, you know, in, I don't know, it's been like 22 years since I've been unemployed. You know? I went, I did an unemployment, uh, you know, uh, one of those deals, I filed for unemployment, and, you know, five weeks, nothing's coming, going on, so, you know, they, they asked me, they asked, when I was doing my, my, uh, my application, they asked me like three, four times, what's your phone number to get in touch with you, and what's an email address for you? Four times I gave that to them, you know? And so I finally called them, the other day. they said, hey, listen, it's been five weeks, I haven't heard anything. He says, well, let me check, you know? 
And so, you know, 20 minutes later, they come back on the phone and they're like, mm, your registration is not completed yet. What? When were you going to tell me this? When were you going to call me or email me to let me know? Well, sir, it's not our responsibility to inform you or to let you know. It's up to you to stay on top of your application. Then why did you ask for my phone number and my email four different times? <laughs> hey, it's just protocol, what they do, right? So, you know, I'm experiencing all this, and I'm saying, Lord, I need to, I need to go back into the Word. I need to get back on, 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 on truly trusting you. Because it's a thing to believe that you trust in the Lord, and there's a difference in knowing that you trust in the Lord. And until we go through things that are going to really, you know, uh, challenge our faith and challenge our, 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 uh, our foundation in the Lord, we just, you know, we just think we're, we're, we're fine. We're fine. And we, you know, and it's awesome that we have praise reports and it's awesome that we have, you know, all these, all these things going on in our lives. But uh, we also have to, you know, it's teaching me that I also have to be ready to brace myself because hard times are coming. And as believers, we've read the word and we know that in Revelation it talks about what's coming. And I'll dare to say that there's a lot of people in the church today that are not ready for what's coming. And there's going to be devastation because, you know, our foundation is going to be shaken. That we're going to go through a trial in a period of time when, you know, God is going to say, okay, this is it. This is it. I'm done. And he's going to come back. And he's going to, you know, come and establish his kingdom. But there's going to be trials that are coming. And that's a message for another time. But I wanted to share with you this morning about a king about a king in uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be lengthy. It's going to be from chapter from verse 1 to 37, but this is about Jehoshaphat. How many of you know Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah. He was, I believe, he was the fourth king, you know, in, uh, in the separated Judah. But, uh, and he loved the Lord. He was a man that was upright, you know, that would follow the commandments of God. And because he was so into God, God really rewarded him. God, you know, he, he, he prospered him. He gave him, you know, many, many things in his kingdom. Many, uh, you know, he, the guy had money and, and cattle. And, I mean, he was, he was well set. And he loved the Lord. But there was a problem with him. He made a mistake. How many of you guys know the uh, story of Jehoshaphat? He hooked up with Ahab. Who's Ahab? Jezebel's husband. Ahab was the, recorded one of the worst kings in the history of Israel. He was the Israeli king. 
And he says, hey, and, and Jehoshaphat was hooked up with him through marriage. You know, they were in-laws or something. You know, somehow they were, you know. And so, so Ahab says, hey, Jehoshaphat, um, why don't you come down, you know, and uh, go with me. Bring some of your men and stuff and go with me. And we're going to go up against Ratham Gilead. And Jehoshaphat was like, all right. Yeah, let's do that. He says, my men will be your men and, you know, this and the other. So he hooks up with him. In fact, well, let's just read it, all right? Yeah, let's start in verse 1, and we'll just go ahead and read it, and we'll read the story, and then we'll go from there. So Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and by marriage he uh, allied himself with Ahab. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him, and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth, or Ramoth Gilead. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, so we will be with you in the war. Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire of the word of the Lord today. Stop right there. He's a godly man. He knows who Ahab is. And yet he tells them, hey, listen, even, even in that area, in that moment, he's evangelizing. He's saying, hey, inquire of the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, shall we go to, the war, to war against Ramath Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, go up, for God will deliver it into your king's hands. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here? that we may inquire of him? Why would he ask that? That's a question for you. Why do you think that 400 men, 400 prophets had come together, and I would assume, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I would assume they've heard most of them, and Jehoshaphat says, is there still not one prophet, you know, that we can inquire of the Lord? Why would he say that? Yes, sir. Amen. That's, that's right. The 400, the 400 were prophets of Baal. And in, and in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 18, I believe, I forget the verse, it talks about how the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouths of all these prophets. So, that's just a side note. Be careful who tells you I'm prophesying over you. You've got to be careful about that. Anyhow, so he says, inquire of him. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there's still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Why? Because he never prophesied, he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, then let the king say such things, you know. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on their thrones, and they sat at the, thresh, at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Now, Zedekiah, the son of Chanana, or is it Chanana? Chanana. Chanana. Have made horns. Had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, 
Thus says the Lord, with these you shall, you shall gore the, Samaria, the Assyrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Rome at Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the uh, king's hands. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, there are people in the church that will do this. The devil will speak into your mind, and he'll do this. We have to be careful of this. Spoke to him, saying, Now look here. The words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Therefore, please, huh, let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. That's pretty gutsy. Because sometimes the Lord will tell us, Hey, share a word of a to this person, blah, blah, blah. Has it happened to you? It's happened to me. Share this with the so-and-so. And we're like, ah, Lord, I can't. You know, this is, <laughs> you know, we just don't want to do it because uh, for whatever reason, we've been disobedient. Then he came to the king and said, king, and, uh, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go over to war against Ramoth uh, Gilead or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper and they shall be delivered into your hand. What does that sound like? Doesn't that sound like what they, what, what they were just told by the other prophets, though? Right? And yeah, yeah it's sarcasm. Yeah, so the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Okay? Now here comes the truth. So then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that had no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you? Did I tell you why I hate this guy? You know? He would, uh, he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and his left hand. Oh, sorry. Um, on his left hand. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up, that he may fall at, Romath, uh, at Ramath Gilead? So one spoke in, his, in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail, go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Then Zechariah, the son of Shananah, went near, the, near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? Pretty sarcastic, right? Isn't that familiar like what they, when they did that to Jesus? Yeah, prophesy who's, who, who slapped you. Wow. Then Zechariah, is that the next verse? And Micaiah said, indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into, into an inner chamber to hide that the king of Israel said, take Micaiah and return him to Amon, the governor of the city, 
and Joash, the king's son, and saying, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. But Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the uh, captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, Fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. So it was when the king... When the captains of the uh, chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore, they surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God delivered them from him. Oh, that, oh, why, are we, why are we reading uh, 18 now, um, Paul? I'm sorry. Let's go, let's go, to, uh, let's go to, um, to the 20. Sorry, folks. We're gonna pick it up. We're gonna pick it up in um, in uh, in verse number. Um. Keep going. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Right there. And, Jeho and three. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast. So I'm sorry. I don't know how we got um got off on the. Uh, I was like, man, this is stuff that I haven't read already. But uh, it was still good stuff, right? Huh? Well, wasn't it wasn't intriguing? It was like, it was awesome. It was good. It was the background, the setting. But anyway, the, 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 so the premise of this is, um, the, you know, that, that uh, Jehoshaphat was told that, you know what, the Ammonites and the Amorites and the Menuhites and all these, you know, knights are going to come against you. And he got scared, right? He got scared. And the reason why he, was fe he, he feared is because at some point, like I was saying, even though he was a man of prestige and he loved the Lord and he sought God's commands and all this and the other at some point because he was entangled with Ahab okay something happened and how many of us know truly in our spirit that when we're doing the things that we're really not supposed to be doing you know although we say yeah you know God is with me we fear that God may not if that, if that doesn't happen to you then you know um I don't know what to say, but it, it happens to me. You know, it's like, man, I, you know, I question myself. W what's up with that? So Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to, uh, to uh, help from, to ask uh, help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, and they came to seek. They came to seek the Lord. So then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out of the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the temple and in your presence, 
for your name is in the temple, is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the few, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Paul, do me a favor for um, lack of time. Let's um, let's go to verse. Uh, let's go to verse thirty. So Jehoshaphat's already inquired of the Lord. He's you know he's going and he's giving uh, praise and uh, and sacrificing and doing some uh, fasting. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for this for his God gave him rest all around. So Jehoshaphat was king over Judah. He was thirty five years old when he became king. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azuba, the daughter of, um, of Shilhi. And he walked in the way of his father, Asa, and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, first and last, indeed, they are written in the book of Jehu, the son of Hanani, which is mentioned in the book of Kings of Israel. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted very quickly. And he fell. And he allied himself, yep, with, uh, with, uh, with him to make shifts to go to Tarshish, and they made the shifts in Ezra and Gabar, and Gabar. But Eleazar, the son of uh, Dodava, Dorava um, of uh, Meresha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ezra, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked, so they were not able to go to Tarshish. And here's my point. There's a lot of scripture there. And I'm sorry, we, got, we probably spent 10 minutes on the other scriptures, but uh, here's my point that I wanted to make to, uh, with you this, this morning. You know, um, trusting in the Lord, you know, it's like anything else. It's like, it's, it's like a muscle, if you will, if, if you were to look at it like that. You know, you exercise it, and the more you exercise any muscle, you know, you, you strengthen it, and, and, you know, and it grows, and would not. So, I want to just share with you three quick uh, steps as to how we can, you know, show that, uh, you know, when, 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 when things are, are in our lives, you know, it's very easy to be distracted by the storm. We look at the, uh, we look at the apostles that were, you know, crossing the Sea of uh, Galilee and, and, you know, the storm was, uh, man, it was, a, it was a hellish storm, you know, but, you know, Jesus was just asleep. Kicking back, you know, getting ready to go to the other side. And so, uh, you know, it's very easy for us to get frantic and stuff when uh, situa situations come our way. But um, we need to know that God is in control of all things. The God, you know, that we, we need to trust God for the outcome because our immediate moment right now, what's happening in our lives right now, doesn't dictate who we are or what, you know, or what we are in the sight of, of God. You know, we are his precious children. And he has, uh, he has a future and a plan for us. Amen. So the number one thing that we need to do to get our trust back online and concentrate on the Lord is surrender ourselves, you know, in all the troubles to God. 
It's easier said than done. It's easier to say, oh, you know, just surrender yourself, you know, and do this. It's very difficult to do, but you know what? If we exercise that, you know, we can move from worry to worship by realizing, by realizing that God is in control of every circumstance in our lives. Amen? Secondly, you know, and I'm sorry this is so rushed, but secondly is uh, replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. You know, because this is our battlefield. This is what the enemy uses, you know, to come into our, 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 our battle you know, and engage us, you know, it's our thoughts. And as I told you earlier, you know, our thought, my thoughts anyways, were like, what? I was, getting out, I was getting out of control. I was like, you know, Danielle was right there slapping me a couple of times. She was like, get over it, man. Get over it, you know. Because our thoughts is like, wow, you know. So you know what? Think of positive thoughts. So when you find yourself thinking negative thoughts that are bringing you down, start thinking about positive scripture that will lift you up. For example, you know, lean not in your understanding. You know? You know, and always acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Amen? And then lastly, ask God to give you patience. That's something I lack. Um, I don't know, maybe you, you can uh, relate to that or not. Patience is, man, patience is everything. Patience is a virtue, you know? It's a fact that God will come through you at just the right moment. He'll never fail you, uh, but you need to stay in prayer during this time because your faith will be tested. Faith is being tested. Amen? But we stay on track. You know, during our trial, ask God to give, uh, give us patience to help and trust, and he knows what's best for us. This doesn't mean that life will be easy during our trials, but it does mean that God will deliver us out of every situation that we're in. Amen. And I want to leave you with Psalm 34:19. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, even though I went over, I hope that your message, and I pray that your message was um, received, Lord God. Um, thank you for sharing this, this message with me. Thank you for allowing me to open up my eyes to see where I'm lacking. Father, I pray that um, we come and as a, as a church, as a group, as a family, as a body, we learn to uh, trust more in you, Father God, every day. Because um, we need to trust you. That's all we have, Lord God, trust and faith that you will deliver us from this point to the point you're taking us. Father, I pray for everyone here. I ask that you bless them, that you watch over them, that you guard them. Thank you for giving them life and health and strength to come out to this church and be part of the service. Father, I pray for those that couldn't make it. Um, we just ask that you be with them in spirit, Father God, and that you will continue to allow people to come out and reach out to them and just minister the word of God to them. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.